So we're going to start off with a bit of a Q&A with these guys about um, some of the musical stuff behind Simon's new album and, and New Day. Um, and then uh, Simon's going to be doing an acoustic set of some of the songs off his new album. So stick around for that as well. So I was here on the first ever New Day. <laughs> wow, veteran. <laughs> Um, and I remember a, a day when the rain was flooding through the top of a, a building and, and you got up and led worship, just yourself and a guitar. <laughs> and now, 15 years later, the style here has changed, the, the band here has changed. Like, do you want to explain a bit about sort of how that, how over the 15 years that music has has changed for you guys? Great question. Who's been at New Day for more than three years? Okay, keep your hands in the air. Four years? Five years? Gosh. Six years? Seven years? Eight years? Okay, that's pretty good. We put our hands down. Um, so, question about the style of music, is that right? Over, yeah. over the last few years, how it's changed, why it's changed. Um, is that something you guys have noticed at all, your end? Um, so, from our end, yes, that has been a very deliberative um, thing. I feel like this is definitely a team answer. Um, but here's a couple of things off the bat. Um, Christian music is like a, a, a standalone genre of music in the world. You know, there's sort of secular music, then there's Christian music. However, Christian music in that sense is actually quite narrow. But really, when we read the Bible, Jesus says like he's redeeming all things to himself, reconciling everything to himself. And the Bible says everything in the earth is the Lord's. So actually, every style of music is Jesus' music. Not just Christian music. Does that make sense? So whatever style you're into, whatever style of music there is, actually it all belongs to Jesus. It's not Satan's music. Even if the people making it aren't doing it for the glory of God, styles and sounds and genres and timbres and instrumentation and different ways of playing, that creativity belongs to Jesus. Um, and we know that part of the, the re redemption of the world is Jesus redeeming all things for himself so it came, it probably births about five or six years ago, wanting to broaden our palette musically to redeem some other styles and genres that currently we weren't really touching at New Day. But I just had a, I guess, two sides of things. I had a sense that Jesus wants to be worshipped with that style. Secondly, there's tons of people at New Day, like you guys, us, actually, the, the music you listen to on Spotify, week in, week out, is so different to what you listen to in worship music. It's like two different worlds. And I really felt a growing conviction it shouldn't be. We need to be writing music that stands toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of the best music in the world. You know, hopefully that's the aim. Um, stylistically too. And even help re-educate people that to worship God doesn't mean just has to be this style. doesn't have to sound like Chris Tomlin or Matt Redman or Nashville. It's a whole breadth of what God's doing around the world in all kinds of cultures we can borrow from. So we set Journey about six years ago, I guess intentionally, 
um, to branch out into some different styles that were more just where people would be at just normally and kind of help people understand, hey, you can worship Jesus with this style too. Um, I think one of the first songs to go there was probably one that Anna wrote, um, Move Like This. Do you want to talk about that song a little bit? Good. Do you want to keep yeah. going with this? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Move Like This was probably one of the first big sort of like, oh, wow, what are we doing moments of like, we feel like this is a really good idea, but have you heard that song? It's totally mental. So um, who knows Move Like This? Do you did it on the first night? Oh, was it the first night? Yeah, great. Let's do it now on the keys. <laughs> Joking. So, um, yeah, I think that, that song was just came from that place of just wanting, just feeling like what, what music's going to connect, what, what areas can we branch out into. And, yeah, we just kind of wrote that song, very heavily influenced by, I don't know, at the time, I think it was like, Will I Am, <laughs> going to party right now. I was like, that's just Will I Am. Um, yeah, so kind of that sort of thing. And we, we, it wasn't just me and Si, like a few of us wrote that together. We needed help. We had to ask for a producer to come and help us because we didn't know how to make that kind of music at the time. Um, so it was very much like very, very new territory for us. Um, yeah, but it, it bust something open. And I think it took two years before that song actually went down well. And That's not true. Is but it not true? The first year. It, well, it, it maybe dropped. I was just feeling really insecure then. I don't know. But the first year we did it, I was like, I don't even know if anyone likes this. Um, and it was a bit, it just felt really out there. But I think now it's become part of New Day, isn't it? We just like do move like this. And everyone's like, wow. So it's, um, yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah. But now we've actually got, which is really exciting. Now we've actually got producers in our own team that are now making the, like producing the tracks for us, which is really cool. So people have grown into that role. Like Jack does some stuff. Lewis over there does some stuff. Johnny's a producer as well, aren't you, Johnny? Yeah, so there's a few people, Jotham's somewhere. Yeah, and just like a whole heap, heaps of people are coming through starting to produce and uh, make music as well. Nathan's over there. And, yeah. Anyway, I'll go on. Yeah. Uh, also, New Day event is changing and changed. Um, the proportion of people that come to New Day that are unchurched, so much higher. People who've never even been to church, really. We're wanting them to step into a world which is more connecting where they're at culturally, not into like a time warp of music. Like, oh yeah, these guys sound like they were from the 90s. Um, no, we want to be standing, as I said, just toe-to-toe with other things people will be listening to. The 90s was pretty great, though, it wasn't was it? Actually, I mean, fairness. the 90s was banging. It was... I'll tell you what I want, what I really want. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've, you've mentioned there about getting people in from outside your team where you didn't have the the skills at that time to, to write certain stuff. How, I was going to ask how you went about expanding your sort of, your musical skills. Is, is that the main way you did it or were there other things alongside that? So right now, we have an amazing team of people that run with stuff musically way beyond what I could ever do. Um, just skills, giftings, sound palettes, different plugins, all kind of stuff, way beyond me. When we wrote Move Like This sort of five years ago, that gifting in our team wasn't quite as um, established um, and was a bit early on in, their, in, their, in our team's gifting. So we went to somebody who we knew had lots of connections in the production world and we just asked them, like, hey, here's a song, we want to do it. Um, yeah, and they, they came back with the track. But quite quickly, over the next 12 months, I think the fact we, we made the Move Like This track... I think guys in our team quite quickly started making stuff that actually was like the same kind of level. So, yeah, it, we haven't really asked anybody else outside of our team since then. I think it was just as, as a first thing to go forward, we just had to go for something. Yeah, but I think even just to like big up the people that are now doing it, it's like 
you know, if, I don't know, because I'm trying to think how this would apply to you guys. It's like, if you're seeing something you really love, like, you can set yourself on a path to learn it. And, and, and if you're seeing people Brilliant. in your team that are, like, budding producers or budding this or the other, like, calling it out of them and, like, I, I just love the way that, like, people in our team have just wanted to learn how to do something and they've just gone and learned it and they've just got better and better and better and better at it. And now they're some of the leading people doing that stuff. And it's just really exciting because you just think, like great you know go after these things go get them and yeah so I, I just feel proud of them for working hard and and getting to the point where they're now able to just make stuff it's really cool i want to ask in a minute about um some of your approaches to the album you've released um but just before a lot of people here will be um musicians in their local churches or leading worship or leading worship teams in their youth groups for people at that stage that want to start bringing in some of the music that they currently listen to, do you have any advice for them where they're at to try and do just, that? just to clarify, in local churches, local youth groups, advice for how to bring through new sounds, new genres or new songs, or is that right? Yeah, particularly, um, particularly new, new sounds. And right. Has anybody here tried to do something new creatively in their youth group or their church? Great, well done. Brave people. Um, have you heard about the expression, um, how to cook a frog? So, here's the advice. This is how to... A little bit dark. How to boil a frog. <laughs> if you boil a kettle, put it in a pan, turn the heat up so the water's bubbling, and lob a frog in it, what's that frog going to do? Jump straight out. How do you boil a frog then? Because I know you love eating frogs. <laughs> you put cold water in. You put the friendly guy in. You turn on the heat low. And slowly, the temperature of the water rises. And the frog doesn't even notice before long. You hit the 55-degree threshold, which is sort of around the sort of place that kills a frog. Um, and then, obviously, it boils, and the whole thing is absolutely mullered. Um, but that's how you boil a frog. Why am I saying that? If you want to take a congregation somewhere new creatively, one of the worst things you can do is just take four or five new songs, do something completely different, turn everything on, on its head, and take it to a Sunday or to a youth group. What's going to happen? They're going to freak out. We don't like this. What have you done to worship? Why have you ruined my worship time? This isn't worship, and it's totally confusing. So instead, the, the journey that we've gone on back home in Brighton and Emmanuel, and even here at New Day... Pick one song, just one song, be, bring all your best creativity to that song, think, read different styles, different genres, whatever it is you're going for, and around that song, to the left and right of it, before and after, put it, surround it with really familiar, absolute home runs. So even if you've got a whole family congregation, or an older generation congregation, even pick a hymn that you just know is going to connect, then lead people into it, do the creative thing that some people might get, some people might not. Then afterwards, just go for a home run. Go for something that's going to draw people in again. Gently and slowly lead people into something rather than just whack them with all your creativity all the time. And I think over a space of months, what was actually a one-time really unusual quite quickly becomes the norm. And you can do that a couple of times. And you get to the point where actually you can lead a whole worship time like doing something completely different. But it takes a journey to get there. Don't just do it all in one go. Does that make sense? Cooking lessons from Simon and Anna. Anything you'd add? How to boil a congregation. Is that? 
Very good. <laughs> bit weird, but good. No, it's good. It's a good analogy. No, I don't have anything else to say. So, you this year have released um, Alive with Worship. Have I got the title right? Please tell me I have. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, how many people have heard or already own Alive with Worship? Nice. Um, it's a brilliant album. Um, love it. And just wondering, so a lot of the, of the songs on there are songs people might recognize from New Day, but they sound very different. I assume that was a deliberate choice. <laughs> um, why did you make that choice, and how did you go about deciding what you wanted to do with that album and those songs? Great question. So um, if you've heard Alive With Worship, the new album... Um, most of the songs in the album have actually appeared on live New Day albums. And so the question is, why is it you've rearranged them all? Why is it it sounds so different? Um, here's what I'd say. When we first arranged them, we had the live event New Day in mind, and also that year in mind. So one of them like, was actually on a live album in 2016. One was actually back even in 2015. Do you know where we were in 2015, the other songs that are in the mix that year, the sounds, just where we were at culturally in 2015, that would have been the right way to arrange that song, and it has to fit with the other songs that year. I think if you take all of those songs out, let them sit with each other, and now we're in 2018, um, we are in a different space. They don't actually have to be recorded live in a big, big top. We've got a blank sheet of paper in a studio so it felt, it felt quite obvious quite quickly, these should have new arrangements. And in fact, if you'd taken those ten songs in the current arrangements and tried to put them all in one album, it would sound like a mishmash. There isn't loads of coherence to them. So it's a good opportunity to, to get together and just think through how would these songs sit in a studio uh, with, with new arrangements. Um, yeah, so then it was like, well, how do you do it? What style should we go for? You know, over the last 10 years of New Day, we've had like electro nights, strings nights, like indie pop vibes. We've had like more rocky royal blood stuff. What are we going to do? How's this album going to sound? And that I did not know the answer to. I had no idea. Honestly, no idea. So a few friends who are involved with the album, Jack Quintermere, who plays guitar with us, produced it. Um, Lewis played a lot of the drums, percussion, and was hugely influential in just helping shape the album and the sounds. We pulled together a whole long playlist of songs in a sounds kind of pool um, that we felt we could go for. To be honest with you, I'm not 15 anymore, so I am slightly mature than I was when I first did New Day. So we knew we wanted to go for a slightly more mature sound, more like 16, 17. Um, yeah, so that was, that was one thing in mind. Um, my history in leading this event, I really, really love leading with percussion and drums. Uh, over the years, we've done that a lot. That personally draws something out of me hugely. So we knew that having percussion and drums really featuring on it um, was key. I'm quite, you know, I've done the strings nights. So one of the songs on the album is, is actually taken live from the strings night in 2016. That's the last track on the album. Um, but yeah, I think we wanted to find a sonic space that felt true to me, that felt right for 2018. Um, I'm not like a teeny bopper, sort of 14-year-old worship leader anymore. So something that was more fitting to who I am now. But yeah, I think it needed some fresh arrangements. Um, that's probably all I've got to say. So how did you go about that once you'd, once you'd decided this is where we're going and you're, you're in that 
intense writing arrangements period. How, how do you do that? Is that something that you're heavily involved in or is that something that you are in team with and you are inputting into that way? It's something that um, heavily, heavily team-led. So there's actually something I entrusted to the producer to do. And I was involved here and there. Um, but I, I was in the room the whole time. But I trust the producer's kind of creativity. A few little nudges here and there. Like, I'm not sure that chord change quite works with the, the uh, emotion of the melody. Or I'm not sure about this bit here. Can we pick it up a bit? They're speaking in here and there. But to be honest, I wanted to give the producer as much freedom as possible. Um, he had a really tricky job. He's like dealing with me, dealing with songs with very established arrangements that, you know, like that is how a live in worship goes. That is how good things goes. Okay, let's reinvent those songs. That's a really like tall order. And I think like to his credit, he smashed it. He did a really good job. So if there's anything creative and good about that album, the chances are it did not come from me as the guy that <laughs> produced it. Um, I did the songwriting with, with, and even that was in the team, so. <laughs> um... One of the things I love about you guys and about New Day is, is that's such a strong sense of teamwork that comes through on everything. Um, throughout the history of New Day, all the songs we've got have been released in multiple arrangements, whether it's through live albums, string albums, the homegrown album, your album. Um, I think I've pretty much listed everything you can buy at the back right there. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Um, so is there... I know some people write songs and they have a definitive arrangement of that song in their mind. This is the song and everything else is a version of it. Do you approach songs like that? Or with all of this vast array of things, is it more like, no, there's a song, but every arrangement is, is as legitimate? Um, you must answer too. I think the way we write, we probably have some idea in our head of how it could sound, but one thing I've learned is actually there is an A definitive arrangement for a song. That's one of the things we encourage in our church is creativity, different bands to just do their own take on songs. Um, so I, I just don't think there is. I think there, there could be hooks and parts which can almost become part of the song, but actually the song is the melody and the lyrics. So I do believe in rearranging songs as a, as a good thing. Um, so when we write... I've, you know, since about five, six years ago, we asked Sam Cox to be the musical director for our band. But little did I realize, by asking him to do that, I was also handing over the arrangement process, which I was actually quite up for, because he's more switched on musically than me. So the year we did so good, breakthrough, he totally took a lead in those arrangements, and I totally didn't get them. But the first arrangement of So Good was the, one of the first times I asked somebody else to arrange one of my songs completely, and I really didn't get it. I had a guitar riff I wanted to do. And they're like, no, it needs to be this. And I was like, no way. And they're like, yes, trust me, Simon. Yes way. <laughs> and so they said, well, we'll take yours and we'll make that the bass line. So I got the bass line. 
just like tip of the hat to Simon. Um, but actually, what we got was a much broader um, mind coming to arrange the song, just bringing something fresh to it. His inflow of songs and creativity was actually a lot, lot broader than mine, and, and that's why we asked him to do it. Um, so, yeah, if you're a songwriter, hands in the air. Handing your songs to somebody else to arrange is not easy, but actually, if you can let go of it, you've got the opportunity to do something better than what you perhaps could have done on your own. And it's an opportunity to develop other people's giftings, let other people fly with stuff. But having said that, it's still not always easy. Anything you want to add? Anna, how is it for you when you're, when you're writing songs, do you have that musical idea in mind at that stage or is it something that you find comes later with the band? Yeah, I, I actually really, really enjoy handing my songs over for someone else to, to do something with. And actually, often I work in reverse. So, for example, like Jotham or Lewis would just do a track or make a, make a, um, yeah, make a track, make a, like a beat or a loop or something so that I can write the melody and, and stuff on top. Um, so I actually, so already there's some production before you even start. And I absolutely love that. It brings out the best of me. So it's, it's, it's something that I think is really fun. Um, and obviously you've got to find people that got, like the same stuff more or less than you do. Because if it's like, like, I think I've got a lot of friends who like metal. Not a lot of friends, a few friends who like metal. Um, but I'm not particularly into metal. Um, so when we work together, it's not quite as easy. It's not going to be quite as easy. Um, as if someone who's kind of likes my sort of same, same stuff I like. And I think the people that I generally tend to work with are the ones that we have overlap, uh, quite a lot of overlap in what we're into. Um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, sometimes it is a bit weird because you're like, oh, I thought it was over here and now you've taken it over here. Um, but yeah, I think that's something you build trust over time and you, and you get to see what else they're doing and you learn to trust the person. And yeah, it's cool. It's fun. You want to add something there, though? I was just going to say, if you put on a drum beat, melodies just come out of Anna. Sometimes I just walk in the bedroom and I'm like... I'm just living in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I am literally <laughs> stuck there. Like, me and the Spice Girls need to hang out. Like, we really do. I'll just I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Anyway, thankfully, like, they're sort of in at the moment. Yeah, is it 90s kinda? is really making a comeback. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> You. <laughs> um, let's open it up to the floor a bit. Does anybody Ooh. have any questions? Can they walk around with the wireless mic? Yeah. Let feedback. Ed, thank you. Ed's all over it. Hands for Ed, please. Woo! Ed Axtell. Love you, Ed. Hello. Who wants a question? Yes. Kings for life. Hi. Um, this is probably more directed towards Simon. You've um, been leading at New Day for so long now and um, leading in front of such a big crowd probably uh, means there's a lot more room for uh, forgetting kind of your place as a worship leader, forgetting that you're pointing people towards God. I was wondering if uh, you ever had to sort of instill a mentality or, or find a way that you really could remind yourself of that without getting too caught up in what was going on with uh, the young people. In worship. Can you just clarify your question? Do you, was there ever a point where you had to remind yourself that 
you are the one pointing people to God and uh, didn't feed too much off uh, how people were worshipping. Question. Great question. Um, yeah. That's something I have to do every year. From the first time I led at New Day as a teenager, um, the need to keep doing that hasn't gone because the human heart is um, so fickle and sin creeps in subtly. So the temptation to make it about you comes up in all kinds of disguises, in all kinds of subtle ways. So uh, my general rhythm is, um, as best I can, I'll try and keep, keep God front and center in the months, weeks, days leading up to New Day. The way your heart works is sometimes the smallest little subtle thing can distract you from uh, the way a certain song sounds really cool. This song sounds cool. This song sounds cool. This track's cool. And when you're leading that song, you can be more aware of how cool a track sounds than, than the people worshipping, um, down to way more um, uh, uh, vain things, like how do I look on a screen, and all these things can distract you. And the thing is, they are real elements of leading worship in a big top. You are going to be on a screen. You do have to run tracks. What I've learned to do uh, as, as best I can before New Day and I try and live like this in general, so it's not like a once-a-year thing. Um, but certainly on the, on the Sunday night before New Day, we pray as a team. But I make that an intentional time to, to like get before God, kneel down before God. Just again, Jesus, this is about you. I'm laying myself down. I'm lowering myself before you. When I'm saying, what is the song? Is it Hallowed Be My Fame? No. Hallowed Be Your Name. I wanted to choose you here. Um, I've come to learn even doing that on a Sunday is a great way to start the week, but quite quickly your heart can wander again. So I do make a point to get up an hour earlier than Anna and the kids, even that means going to bed late sometimes, just to get some time, another cup of coffee in the sun with Jesus somewhere private and just pour out my heart, bring everything to him. Um, but again, that, that's, a, that's a Simon uh, and Jesus thing um, in terms of laying, laying ourselves down, just being honest before him. But a second thing is, again, the team thing is so important in this. I feel over the years specifically, um, to be honest, in the earlier years, when I was 18 and started to lead at New Day, and for the first time people would come up to me and be like, oh my goodness, you're the guy on the stage, can you sign my badge? And to me it was really weird. It was actually weirder to my other bandmates. They're like, what, it's just Simon. He like farts and picks his nose. Like, Why do you want his signature? That's ridiculous. And so they were so good at keeping my feet on the ground. They were really like, took the mick out of me a lot. Um, yeah, but I think Jesus is really gracious. A few times over different years, when you've let your heart get too elated or you, you've suddenly made it not about Jesus, he's so patient, but also he doesn't share his glory. Like, he won't share his glory with me. If I make it about me for a moment, he, he does often pull the rug from under your feet. So, you know, it says in lots of the Gospels, if you exalt yourself, I'm going to humble you. So, great, you want to make it about you, Si? You do that. And in so many ways, God's humbled me. Just caused, I don't know, my guitar to break or something to go wrong or something embarrassing happens. And I know, oh, this is God bringing me to my knees again. So I've learned to just try as best I can uh, just bow down before him as often as I can and make sure I'm being transparent and giving him glory if that helps. While Ed runs over, can I pull something out of that? Um, you talked about getting caught up sometimes in how cool the song sounds. 
Have you ever found yourself doing things deliberately less flashy and less as creative as you could be in order to, to make sure it stays focused on God? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, like I've got caught up in my image, what, what T-shirt I'm going to wear, what my hair looks like on screen. And sometimes I've known repentance at that moment is I need to take this T-shirt off and just go and put a, like a rubbish one on. And like lower how I look, you know, and I think to everyone else, I don't think you'd notice any difference. It's not like, oh, now you're cool, now you're not. But in my heart, I, I had to lay that down. That was a thing for me. I had to just stop thinking like that. So, um, so I've done that. In terms of musically, I do feel a strong call from God to break new territory and redeem music. And so by, by the, oh no, I've made it about music. I'm trying to do something cool. Right, I need to repent repentance can't look like don't do that then because that is the thing God's called me to do repentance looks like laying down asking God for forgiveness saying God I'm sorry I made this about me and actually when I um that's more about me than a team thing even I I don't know but repentance in those moments is like it's just sometimes a heart change God take this creativity and be worshipped through it Please, I don't want to get in the middle of it all. Anna, you've got some pearls of wisdom. <laughs> Go on. Anna Brading, everybody. No, no Anna pressure. Brading. Seriously. Set the bar high. Um, no, I was just going to say, sometimes the actual, the, the reverse is true. So sometimes you can... Oh, brilliant. <laughs> sometimes you can, like, it's actually easier to not push into the creative thing because you're so scared people are going to think, oh, this is just because you're showing off. And I think that's something that I struggle with. And also, it's actually, when you're leading people that are so used to this sound, and then you just pull out something else, it's really hard, because you know it's much easier to just do an old classic, and everyone's got their hands in the air, and you get that instant kind of feeling like everyone's with you. But to stare at a whole sea of blank faces who are like, what is that? I kind of like it, but I don't know. And, and they're just figuring it out in their head. It's really, like, it's just, it's, it just takes courage. And sometimes it's just so much easier to just be like, oh, can we just do the, the old back catalogue rather than bringing the new song or bringing the new, the new arrangement? Um, so I think that's something that, for me, to, like, humble myself before God sometimes means looking like a Wally and just actually doing a thing that might make me look a bit out there and a bit like... You know, even be misinterpreted or be misunderstood by people. Um, it's actually easier for me to try and, like, yeah. Am I making sense? Like, it, yeah. yeah. So sometimes I have to, like, a way of me humbling myself before God is going. So it's just saying, God, I feel like you've called me to do this. I'm gonna do it. It feels horrible. People are gonna think this, this, and this about me. But you say this about me, so we're all good. I'm gonna do it anyway, and I don't always get it right. Like sometimes I'm just like, nah, I'm just gonna not. <laughs> but trying to like, we're just trying to keep pushing forward, aren't we? Superb. Good. Um, Any other questions from the floor? Oh, we got, yeah, go on, mate. Sorry. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, um, so you're saying, in terms of genres and sounds, done anything jazzy, like jazz um, arrangements, compositions? Is that the question? Um, I I don't think I have, and the reason is jazz isn't particularly like my bag, um, and like authenticity is kind of quite key. I could try and just try and do it, but I don't really live in that world. I don't live in that space. It's not like what I do. Um, yeah, if, if somebody came into our church who was like a stellar jazz musician, I would quite quickly be thinking, how can we get people around you to sort of play to that gift a little bit? But I think it is, it does depend on who you have. Um, 
Yeah. So we uh, a few years ago, one of our drummers was actually a really good jazz drummer. Or, you know, he, he really enjoyed jazz. That was his thing. And I think that came out a little bit in our arrangements or just his style. But I think, yeah, I... I've not done anything too intentionally, but that's not because we don't like it. I think it's more just having the right people. Any other questions? And um, you say, what made you turn to music? Yeah. I learnt piano when I was six and guitar at eight, and I love making music. When I was in my early teens, being part of a band was a very obvious thing and just a desire, like it is in lots of kids, actually. Uh, accompanied that in my mid, like, early teens, a desire to to love God and for worship. And so those two things came together. I think I've never said of myself over the last 15 years, that I'm an artist. I've always just said, like, I, I lead people in worship. Um, but I think over the last couple of years, I've actually thought, now what we're doing as a team, we should actually think a bit more about that for ourselves musically. What about yourself? Why did you get into music? Can we grab some more of the handheld in the wedges? Thanks. I just really like it. Really, I really like it. That's why. It's just what I love. And God loves us doing what we love. He, he enjoys it. Um, when, we, when we're like running in the things that he's put in us and he's made in us, then he, he, yeah, he gets glory because he's like, well, I put that in you. Cool, go for it. So I think it's just, I just love it. Are there any other questions? Um, how do you get over the initial nerves of performing on stage so that you're thinking more about praising God rather than if you're getting the notes or the words right um little by little so baby steps to start with I think I started by doing um very small situations very small congregations I think one of the best ways to start out as worship leader this is going to sound like what um is to pray in your prayer meetings be someone who prays out in your prayer meetings because that's terrifying, isn't it? You know when you're in a group of, you know, in a huddle and then it's like a prayer meeting and you're like, okay, somebody should pray, I should pray. Or bring a song in a prayer meeting. It's one of the best ways because is you, if you can't do that, you can't get up on a stage in front of 100 people and lead them in a song. So I think starting in the tiny settings in the sort of non, doesn't seem as musical, but it's like that's leadership and that's, putting yourself out there in front of people but it's in a safe context um and, and you know and we, we don't god doesn't put you like god doesn't shame you he doesn't want you to be shamed and you know you don't want to be out you don't want to like jump too far ahead when before you before you're ready and i think it's good to practice in the small situations where you're where you're safe um so i think yeah being someone who leads in smaller settings and then you know maybe on a sunday or if you want if you're on a stage <clears throat> just taking like one song rather than like three songs or four songs um letting other people lead the rest of the songs and just make just doing one and then asking for feedback how did that go do you think that was good is there anything i could do differently um and then do two songs with a link so you're doing like a song and then you're saying something in between, which is terrifying. And then you do another song. And then I think it's just the more hours you get under your belt, the easier it becomes. But, um, you know, courage, definition of courage, definition of courage is to do something even though it's scary. So it's not taking away the fear. It's just doing it anyway. And I think that's what I found is that it is, it is scary to get up in front of people. But the more you do it, it becomes easier. And actually, you just have to have courage just to do it anyway. So, yeah, hope that helps. I think we've got time for one or two more questions. At our church, we have, like, young worship leaders. So there's, like, people my age and, like, 15 who, like, sometimes lead worship in our church. Is there, like, 
any advice you would like give to us to give us more confidence to like go bigger in a way? Um, do you lead in your youth group as well, or is yeah. this the first? So you are leading, and you have been leading in your youth group regularly. Yeah, we have rotors basically. And you started to lead on your Sundays, and and you're 15. I'm 13, but there are people. Well, doing yeah, that's amazing. So that's that's my story. I led in our youth group as a 12-year-old once a month, 12, 13, 14, 15. I think around 15 and a half, um, I started to lead on Sundays. Here's my advice. If you're being asked to lead, that's amazing. If they're saying, hey, we want you to lead. It's not even like, please pick me, pick me. If they're saying, please come and lead, that's amazing. They obviously see something in you. Here would be a few headlines. I think go in with a very teachable heart. Leading youth is actually quite different to leading a whole congregation. You've got like, suddenly you've got the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all those generations to deal with and, and younger people. Um, so, yeah, th- there might be some things you've got to learn off the bat, and that's fine. So just come in. Like, you're, not, you're not the big shot who's going to know it all at 15. We've all got lessons to learn, so that's fine. Just be teachable. Um, but I think I would remind you in Timothy, where it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Timothy had a, had a whole complex with this. He was a young guy and leading lots of people. He's just, oh, I feel timid. Paul's like, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Which, like, every youth group quotes that verse. It's brilliant. But they forget the next bit. But set an example in faith, hope, speech, purity, and conduct. Anybody who's young here leading worship, get your band together, look at that verse, and think, right, how can we set an example to our church in our conduct as young teenagers, in our speech, go through those five words, in our faith, in our purity, Think about how you conduct yourself and then bring that to a Sunday. Lead by example more than lead through your singing and, and worship leading. Does that make sense? The more you grow as a band in that, I think God will open up more doors to you. Um, yeah, and have some fun. Question? One more, I think. We should both answer that question. What age were we when we first started to lead worship? How old were we? Um, I play guitar in my kids' work, and I first sung a song in our kids' work when I was like eight, but I did that for like a, about a year, um, just a little guitar with a friend of mine. And in one sense, yeah, in, in a kids' work sense, that was leading worship. So I did do it for a, a little batch, and I was like, literally, nah, it's probably more about 10, actually. Um, yeah, but when I was, when I was 13... I led worship once a month in our youth group and did that all the way through my teens. I think 13, 13, 14 was the first place I really started to do it regularly. What about you? Uh, my parents plant, well, started a church in our lounge on like a Friday night and I played the clarinet with my dad playing guitar <laughs> when I was tiny. It was really bad, like really bad, horrendous. I don't know why they let me do it. I think they're just being kind. Um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, and then I, I just sort of led a little... Well, I just, was, I just sung. I didn't, I didn't lead worship, really, until I was about more like... Um, when did you start uni? Like 18? 18, 19 is when I started leading worship. Um, yeah, and then had a long break, and then I've done a lot more recently. How did you feel? Scary. Had to work through some stuff in my heart. Have to, like... Yeah, totally, like, 
God had to do a whole load of stuff in my character and he's still doing it. Um, I think that's ongoing. It is quite scary, but also really, really happy because it's worshipping God and it's fun and it's what I love. So there's, there's two sides of it. It's one is like, this is really serious. This is like a big deal to be leading people to, in, to, G, to Jesus in worship. But on the other side, like, this is really fun. So yeah, both things. Thank you very much for being so open and, and honest and insightful with us. Um, Simon's band are going to come up. They're going to play the album a bit together. Will you just tell us a bit more about the album leading yes, into that? Yes, will do. Have you got a copy of it here? Can someone go and grab one? Toby. Toby Surdy. Oh, well done. Do you want to run it to the front? Um, so, that's my ugly mug on the front. And I've got my hair up, so he, yeah, he's actually me there. Um, so, these are 11 songs that you would recognize from New Day. Um, huge, huge encouraging story, sorry, huge encouragement from stories of people singing these songs in their local churches, listening to them on their iPod, I, um, Spotify, whatever. Um, so we felt we want to put these in a studio arrangement, some new arrangements, uh, just new music for you to enjoy. I think my heart for this project has been to take these songs that we know have blessed lots here at New Day and other churches in the UK want to get some music that just does you good. Listening to the, really, it's lots of the Bible put to melody that does your soul good. Um, styles and sounds that are beyond me, but the guys who arranged it did great. But also, it is encouraging. These songs are serving churches. I know lots of youth groups have picked these songs up. So, yeah, if you haven't got it, do feel free. They're on sale at the end today. I don't normally do this kind of on principle, but because this is New Day and this is kind of where I started, I'm very happy to sign albums today um, if you want to buy one. But I'm not going to throw it out because last time I did, I hit someone in the eye and nearly sent them to hospital. So um, I'm going to give this gently to you. Um, but yeah, it's Alive With Worship. I'm going to welcome up um, just three friends on stage. We're going to do a little unplugged gig for you. We're going to take about one minute to get stuff arranged. Why we do that, turn to someone next to you. And say, what is the one thing from the Q&A session and stuff we've talked about you found most helpful? Go.